Today I'm talking to Mark Noah with Sotheby's International Realty in Los Angeles. Mark is consistently ranked as one of Los Angeles's most respected top producers. His production for 2017, which was last year, was in excess of $130 million in closed sales. We talk about how to create the network that generates over $100 million in sales a year. Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. This podcast is to share knowledge for realtors and raise awareness for Give Back Homes, where real estate professionals work together for social good. Jet Centers Aviation, Bentley Atlanta, Legends Global, thank you for your sponsorship. All right, everybody, it's the Jerry Metcalf podcast where top agents tell how they do it. Today, we have Mark Noah in Los Angeles with Sotheby's International Realty. Mark, thank you for being with us today. Good morning, Jerry. Thanks for having me. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself. Besides the fact that we know you're a total rock star in Beverly Hills. Los Angeles native, born and raised, been here my whole life. never leaving, never want to leave. I, uh, I love selling real estate here. I love living here. Um, we're, uh, we're blessed. I mean, I mean, LA is great. Listen, we, uh, I get to live in a, in a market where you have people from all over the world who want to come, who want to live here, who visit here. The market, you know, I think I'm very fortunate because the real estate market here is not really seasonal. You know, we have yeah. dips maybe when there's rain, you know, maybe for three days a year. Right. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe August, a couple of weeks it slows down because people go on vacation. But shy of that, you know, we're just jamming all year long. So super well, fortunate. And some people would say that's good and some people would say that's bad. But obviously you're the kind of guy that likes to go all the time, which we're going to get into that. But first, I want to find out or I want you to share with everybody. So you've been doing this for five years. You do an excess, you do an excess of $130 million a year. Um, and and that's in only a five-year period. Where were you before before you were a real estate agent? And then what? How did you transition, and why? So prior to getting to real estate sales, I was a mortgage broker, and I did that from the age of eighteen up until about five years ago. So now, did and you do college, or did you just high school to work? Straight into work. Wow. Uh, straight into work. So back in nineteen ninety-eight, all you needed as a mortgage broker was a real estate license. And what had happened is I'd gotten a job in a mortgage company in the copy room and I Mm -hmm. would copy these files and these broker checks, what these mortgage brokers were making. And I was like, done. And I went and got my real estate license and you know, I stopped working for the actual company and I wanted to be a commissioned salesperson and right out of the gate, I just started producing and lending. And it was a great career. I loved Mm -hmm. it. I had a great time doing it, but you know, as everyone knows, after 2008, with the whole financial crisis, it got it started to got, it started getting tougher. And what I mean by tougher is I had great clients, and every year the banks got more strict. And what would happen is I would drive these clients crazy, asking for paperwork that was just tedious for them. You know, I had the most qualified clients, you know, big income earners, big down payments, great credit. And I'm asking them to source a deposit for $36 that they made six months ago kind of thing. It just made no sense anymore. Wow, yeah. And, you know, 
for me, I like to have fun. I got to have fun with what I'm doing. I, I smile a lot. I have a great yeah. time and it became miserable. So what happened, August 2013 came and one day I was on vacation with my wife and my kids and I was like, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. And all I had was my real estate license. I didn't have a law degree to fall back on. Um, so I decided to start selling real estate. And what had happened is I called the client. I was on the phone with the client and they, I was doing a loan for them. And I said to her, I said, listen, you know, this is probably the last loan I'm going to be doing for you. And she goes, what do you mean? And I go, I think I'm going to start selling real estate. She goes, uh, Mark, you're too nice of a guy. Do you know what the market's like? These real estate <laughs> agents are like, they're going to eat you alive. Uh-huh. You know, don't do it. And I was like, I, I got to. I was miserable. So she goes, by the way, we're thinking about selling our, uh, our condo. They have a high-rise condo over here um, and buying another house. All the kids, you know, when they left, we sold our big house. They all went to college, and now they're all coming back, and they all want to move back home. So... She, uh, so she just threw that out there, and I remember saying to her, I said, hey, you know, I had just done a loan for someone in that building, and his ex-wife was looking for it. So in LA, it's very common, you know, husbands and wives, they get divorced, and they live right next door to each other. I'm kidding. Anyways, so. It's LA, like Georgia, LA. Right, like, it's LA. You're anything, like on another planet. Goes. I mean, I don't right, even know how you goes. people do things. <laughs> so um, she goes, well, listen, you know, we kind of want around $4 million let us know. So I hung up with her and literally picked up the phone and said, hey, Bill, how you doing? You know, I just want to let you know, client of mine is getting ready to sell a unit in the century. I know your wife is looking or Evelyn is looking. And he goes, great, I'll have her call you. She calls me. She wants to see it. So I get back from vacation. I show it to her. She goes, I'll buy it. It's like, okay. I'm like, I like this I, business. Right. So I beelined to Sotheby's because at the time I was their in-house lender along with a few other companies. But Sotheby's for me, you know, the way they ran their operation was it wasn't it was no contest. So I beelined for the office. I went to the manager. I said, hey, I need to hang my license. And who do I talk to to help me with this deal? And, you know, signed the paperwork, went to Sharona, who helped me. And she bought the place. Four million bucks. Done. Right. I thought it was super easy. Um, Two days later, that seller decides oh, wow. to I, I two days later I go and see this house and I fall in love because you know when you're new and selling real estate every big house is the best house you've ever seen there's no flaws it's perfect and I call them and I show it to them and they decide to buy a seven million dollar house so that was my introduction to real estate I know the stars that was a I know nice stars. start I doesn't know, usually I start that way for people but you had your little preliminary thir- was it 13 years in lending 13 years right so, so that I, was had a, next, I had a yeah. very good database of people you know my rolodex is pretty deep and it was people who loved me i mean the, the truth is yeah. my clients have always been friends of mine um i always keep in touch and it's just one of those things where the stars definitely align but that was my introduction to real estate um, however, I will say to you, you know, a lot of people, especially when I first came in and I did those deals, they're like, oh, you're going to go on vacation now? Or, oh, you know, like, what are you going to do? And I was like, what's next? Like, yeah, it's like I'm going to do another what's deal. Next? That's what I'm going to do. Right? Yeah. Um, I do feel, you know, a lot of it for me, Jerry, is I love the transactions. I love doing, I mean, I'm a deal junkie, I guess you can say, in, right. a, in a good way. Like, it's but you love negative. people too. Like you're like a very. I, I mean, we met, we met in Vegas. At, I think it was at the pool, like at the convention. But I think we were out by the pool. Isn't that where we met, or we meet somewhere else? Um, what happened? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yes, that's exactly. Edit. I'm kidding. 
Um, yes, it's exactly where we met. It was uh, last year at the G&E, yeah. Yeah, or did you forget? Like, I remember. No, I was being sarcastic. Right, okay, good. And I don't know, but anyway, well, you sent me the book. I don't know if that's going to be your book, but that's the end of the interview. I love, this is like the most haphazard interview, but it's awesome. So anyway, so you, like, I know enough about you. I have a few things I want to hit on about you. So obviously you get in the business. You mean, deals just like come in your lap. You make them happen. Did you hit a point in your career where it was ever like, oh my God, what was I thinking? Or this is challenging? Or is it just the kind of thing for you that it's just like you've, your challenging part was that 13 years and now you rock it, or is there a little bit of both? So it hasn't happened yet. I still feel like I'm on a pink cloud, to be quite honest. I love what I do. I get up every morning exciting. That's not to say I don't have challenges. I have challenges. I have very difficult clients, um, like we all do, who I love, and I get it. You know, listen, yeah. buying or selling a house for a lot of people, that's their biggest, you know, investment or you know part, it could be one of the you know most emotional things that someone does residential real exactly. estate right like maybe shy of getting married buying or selling a house is a big deal exactly. um you know and i love going through with them and i love holding their hands um but yeah does it get tough there's challenges for sure but i still love it jerry i enjoy you keep it in perspective i think is well and i think too like what is that saying um opportunity comes to those who are prepared or you know the harder you work which, by the way, your work harder, image in the back, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Um, tell us a little bit about what your days are like. Like, when do they start? They start early. I get up super early. Um, I don't think I I've met early. a human that gets up as early as you do. So, so I get up before four, you know. I don't know that there's a, you get up at night. Yeah, 3.30, 3.45. That's night time. I get up in the middle of the night. Um, I get up, I get out of the house by about 4.30 and I go to the gym. And I spend, you know, from pretty much five to seven is me in the gym. You know, I work out, I gotta start my days like that. That's the one time a day that I mean, that's two hours. And by the way, everybody, this man has three children and one on the way. So. Right, which is why five o'clock in the morning, 4.30 is my time. Because once they wake up, once the phone starts ringing, everything falls to the wayside like mm -hmm. my time goes to you know whatever so um yeah so i get up early and you know the truth is jerry i've been getting up that early you know since i was 19. you know when i got into when i started making money in, as a mortgage broker you know this is 1999 2000 and this is before subprime markets before everything but you know rates had just dropped under 10 percent, and it was super busy and so I would get in the office 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning and not leave before 8.30, 9 o'clock at night every day. Um, See, so isn't that funny that... to hear rates had dropped under 10%? I mean, like, seriously? Oh, I remember I bought yeah. my first house and my interest rate was like 7.5. And my dad was like, you are going to write home, or you're going to tell your children about getting 7.5%. <laughs> no, not really. Yeah, I am, but not because it was so low. But keep, that's so, like, sidetracked. But... But it's interesting to hear you talk about just like how our markets are and how much they change. Well, it's, it's perspective. You know, when I hear, I remember one of the first loans I ever did, it was just under 10%. And the guy was literally like willing to give me his firstborn child. He was so happy to be under 10%. Today, I mean, when I left lending, if you would have said like 5% to someone, they were ready to slaughter you. That's how, you know, perspective, right? Everything yeah. is perspective. Yeah, Everything and is relative. Perspective. Right. Um, so, you know, so that's how I start my day. And then, you know, I'm usually at the office by 7.30, 7.45, and then I just do what, you know, 
what's next on my list? Like, what do I have to take care of? And no two days are like, as you know, mm-hmm. um, they're just, you know, whatever kind of gets thrown at you. Um, you know, I have a team, I'm fortunate. I have a couple of people who work with me, who help me tremendously. And, you know, tell us a little bit about the team. So what's the strike? Who's who, what is everybody's roles? How is it structured? So I have Lauren Sugarman, who's my assistant. She's my right hand. She's my rock. She, you know, she does my scheduling. She does my ads. She does my, you know, input for the MLS for property so that I can just go in there and, you know, review it before we go live. She is, you know, she's my go-to for everything. And then I have Kyle, who is amazing. He reminds me a lot of myself, young, he's 23, but he's a workhorse. You know, he will set up showings for me so I can show up, show the house, and then leave. And he'll shut them down. He sits the inspections so that I can just show up at the end to hear what the inspectors are saying. And he's someone who can help me find properties, you know. A lot of the, the LA market, I think, is different to a lot of the country, from my understanding, because I do have buyers who come in town from all over the country. And in LA, you know, that pocket listing, people think is just such a benefit, right? And mm-hmm. in some situations, it is a benefit. But the reality is, I might hear about a property, right? Mm-hmm. And then someone else might hear about a property, you know, that, that same property a week later. So there's no kind of uniform way of getting these properties if they're not actively listed. And what happens is it confuses buyers, or it doesn't confuse buyers, but it makes it harder for them to commit to a realtor, right? Because I might know of something today, but tomorrow someone else might know of something. So they start getting bombarded, mm-hmm. and this just happened a couple weeks ago with a client who flew in from Philadelphia, and she was just telling me, she goes, you know, it's tough because, you know, obviously I know a lot of people, and they're all sending me different things, and sometimes you're first, and sometimes they're first, and it's just part of the reality. So part of what my day is, Jerry, if I'm not with a client, if I'm not, you know, dealing with what has to be dealt with, I'm on the phone calling other agents in the city. Hey, what do you got? What do you know? Yeah. What have you heard of? You know, it's just constant, constant, you know, it's a grind. Yeah. 24 seven. Absolutely. I really- so to get that done, because I find like when we get like in my point in career, I spend so much time with clients, just calling clients, talking to clients, loving clients, showing clients, showing listings. You've got to still stay ahead of the market. Do you time block that? Like, do you do that first thing in the day? And I mean, that's kind of random. Or how, you just do it when you, no or you just make it part of your day. It's just like yeah, every it's just, Yeah. It's just part of my day. If I'm in my car driving, someone will come to mind and I'll pick up the phone and call them, whether that be a client or another agent. I mean, yeah. I've never had that. You know, when we were in Santa Barbara and Greg Lynn was talking about his uh, CRM, which I, I, I Left I'm really there. trying Which, to by the way, that, by the way. I, I, need to, I need to take a step back. Your viewers are so fortunate, and your market is so fortunate to have you Thank because you. your pitch and the way, and your TED Talk to all of us was absolutely fantastic. Oh, fantastic. Well, they don't know sellers, what it was, but thank you. Yeah. Your buyers and sellers are very lucky to have you over there. Thank you. Um, but anyway, so now back Hey, Isaac, edit that into one little blip and tell everybody. <laughs> But they, um, I had fun with that, and I wrote that in 30 minutes, and had our marketing department do that PowerPoint in 15, and like it, it showed up that morning. We're well under great. pressure, but thank you. Yeah, it was great. I had fun See, writing if it. If any of your sellers or buyers have any kind of issue, just give them my number, and I'll let them know how lucky they are. All right, you're going to get a lot of phone calls. <laughs> Done. Done. Just make sure they reference Jerry Metcalf. 
Um, where was I? Oh, so all I have to reference is Atlanta, and you're going to say Jerry Metcalf. So this is true. You are synonymous with Atlanta. Um, I don't have a system, Jerry. I just, you know, I could be driving down the street, drive by a street that I had sold a client a house. Yes, I'll give the perfect example. I'm coming down Laurel Canyon from one of my new listings, and I'm driving by a street where I had sold someone a house two years ago. Got to red light, shot her a text like, "Hey, Charlotte, hope you're well. Just drove by your house, you know, wishing you all the best." That's it. Like, you that's know who does that? I... Well, I tell people to do that. I don't know if you know, I, I actually mentor. I don't know if mentor is the right word, but like I have a little workshop mastermind that we do for agents. It just evolved naturally. And um, But you know who does that? Um, Becky Fry. Same thing. Like if you're driving happiest by. Happiest smile in the world. She what? Becky Fry. Becky Fry has the happiest smile on the planet. Doesn't she? Becky Fry, Dallas, Texas. Oh, she's already been, but she does that. She just is like, what? So you were, I think I interrupted you about, or we got interrupted by ourselves about Greg Lynn. You're talking about his systems and how you don't do that. But was there something you were going to elaborate on about what he said in his, in his You know, it's talk? one of the things that I'd like to do is have that. And, you know, that's one of the things that Lauren, my assistant, will hopefully, you know, will hopefully get in place. My goal is by the end of 2018. Because, you know, right now we're super swamped. We have a bunch of new listings we're putting up. We have a bunch of new closings. Um, so timing is just difficult. And the truth is timing is never right. But that's mm -hmm. one of my goals for 2018 is to have that in place. Because it's not going to change how I do what I do. It might just enhance it that much more. Right. Oh, I mean, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like that book I sent you, you know, like I felt like those were things that well, I tell everybody, way, tell everybody what the book was. It's called never eat alone. By Even Keith though we're Carrozzi. supposed to talk about, you're going to have to come up with another one. So, but anyway, go ahead. Never eat alone. By Keith so Carrozzi. we met, you sent me the book. So excited to oh. keep going. Yeah. This is your next book. Mm. Amazing. Screenshot, Isaac. Screenshot. Amazing. Relentless. I'll have, Laura, I'll have Lauren send it out to you today. From good to great to unstoppable. I love it. Love I'll it. Have, uh, I'll have Lauren send that out to you today. Um, you are the best. So that book, what's the big message in that book? What's the big message? Did you get, like, I have one big message from good to great, if there's any. And it is, it's, it's easier to be great than it is to be good. Just do things it's right just, and it'll it's be just easier. Really, you just have to, you have to just work harder than the next person. It's gotta be your main focus. Like my yeah. main focus every day is how am I gonna get better than my competition? And if I, you know, when I don't get a listing, I wanna know why, I wanna know what I did. I wanna know how to improve. I mean, you know, I'm going down to San Francisco in a few weeks to meet with Neil um, from Sotheby's in San Francisco mm -hmm. because his listing presentations I think are second to none. Which He's was, amazing. Yeah, he is. Well, half of it is his presentation, is the way he articulates it, I would Correct. say. Would you say? Because Correct. he's saying the obvious, but he's got Correct. this confident way of articulating it that you're like, like it's just like like nobody knows it but him, even though, and I mean, I, may, I mean that as a compliment to him. I mean, he's just, would you, or what would you say? You're going to see him. Exactly. Yeah, no, no, no. I just want to sit with him and learn how to, you know, figure out just a better way to articulate my pitch. I mean, kind of like I was going back to that book, Never Eat Alone, right? The gist of that book is networking, right? And how networking might be perceived as, you know, negative, but it's not, it's, you know, connecting. Like, I feel like I'm a good connector. I always yeah. have been. Yeah. And so it was just a way to fine tune that. And I just always want to get better because, you know, 
if I'm not getting better, at some point, I always feel like there's always someone who's gunning for me, right? Like I was that new kid. I still am kind of that new kid. Five years, who's doing yeah. a ton of business, right? Yeah. And I know who I got my eyes on. Like I know whose businesses, not that I, God forbid, want to steal their clients, but I want that business model, right? Yeah. And over time, I feel like I'll get there. But there's someone behind me doing the same thing. Like they yeah. want what Mark Noah has, and which is great. I love that. There's nothing I love more than seeing people work hard and grind. So what you know, I, laziness for me, it, yeah. for me, laziness is the biggest curse. Biggest curse. Well, especially if you're getting up at 3.30 in the morning. I mean, jeez. Right. I'm like, I, I got to at least like get up at, like I'm Mrs. 5.30 lay there until 5.45. I've got to at least start getting up at like 4.30 or something. Um, so what was I going to ask you about? So I love how, because you're such a fun, engaging person. And then you've got this whole like work harder. Like most people assume work hard is like, you know, work hard, life's tough, like no fun. So I love how you've got a whole different paradigm about it. Elaborate on like where that came from or is that who you've always been or? Because you work hard, I've but you enjoy the hell out been. of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's who I've always been. And listen, we're very fortunate to do what we do. You know, we see great homes, we meet great people. Um, we do pretty well, you know, we're not solving, we're not curing cancer, we're not, you know, rocket scientists, we get to do an amazing, you know, thing, which right. is help people buy and sell homes. It should be fun, yeah. right? And it, it should is be, fun. I, exactly. I, I have a great time with it. And I think it's important, listen, you know, I'm a big believer in you gotta, we, we spend most of our days working, right? If you don't yeah. like it, then what are you doing, doing it for? Doing the wrong because thing, life's short. Right? You know, what, what are you doing it for? And that's my, that's my attitude towards it. Yeah, I love that. So I would love to know from you, especially because you're this person, I think you just naturally, like most people are like work hard, and you're like work hard, hell yeah. What do you, so in that dynamic of who you are, difficult clients, like that's just the nature of what we do. Their job is kind of to be difficult. We're, dealing, they're, we're talking about their home, their money, and their family. I stole that from Jason O'Neill, by the way. But Jason always talks about home family, like never bother people's home, their family, or their money unless you're looking for drama. And realtors, that's what we're being paid. Not only are we doing, but now they're giving us some money for it or we're gonna get paid for it. So it gets pretty intense. How do you, what, do you have any advice or any stories on dealing with people when they get in that bad place or things get difficult or? So here's, here's what I look at. First of all, my ego and my person, my ego has no business in a deal, right? Like I have to take myself. And so there's a lot of times I have to remind Say myself Say that again. That. Yeah, that was so good advice. That my ego, there's no place for my ego in a transaction, right? Yeah. I'm there to help the client, whether it be the buyer or seller, achieve their goal. And you know, right now I'm dealing with a situation where I have a seller who's been a great client of mine for pretty for 20 years. I mean, he was my first client in lending, and he's a client who, in the last five years, I've probably done close to 60 or 70 million dollars in transactions with. Wow. So he's definitely, you know, he's my favorite client, um, and I bend over backwards for him. And we're in a transaction together right now, where it's a little bit. You know, it's frustrating for him. And the reason why it's frustrating for him is because he purchased a house that he thought he was gonna build as his dream house, ended up, you know, buying something else which was done, 
And now he just, he remodeled this house and he spent a lot on it. So hmm. he's not a builder. He's not in it, you know, he doesn't buy and sell real estate as an investment. He buys and sells real estate for pleasure for he and his wife and his kids. And we're dealing with right now the request for repairs from the buyer. I have this client and you know, we're dealing with a request for repairs and my seller is digging his heels on Ida. You know, the sale is 13 and a half million dollars and soaking wet the credits that this buyer is asking for might be 20 grand, mm -hmm. right? It's really, when you, when you put that in perspective, it's such a tiny fraction, it should be easy. Mm -hmm. He is fighting it tooth and nail for every single, you know, request. Mm -hmm. And, you know, part of me just wants to be like, what's wrong with you? Are you crazy? How, you know, but I can't right. do that, right? Yeah. There's no room for my ego or my opinion. So what do I have to do? I have to focus on the goal. What is the goal? The goal is to, you know, I know this deal, this buyer that he has is the right buyer for the house. Mm -hmm. She's tracked this house from when he bought it, when he gutted it. She's been there for the last two and a half years, the whole step of the way, just kind of like toying with buying it or not. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, we're almost there and we're, we're getting hung up over 20,000, which by the way, that's a lot of money. I'm not discounting it, it is a lot of money. And you know, how I approach that, rather than tell my client like, are you out of your mind? Like you should be taking this deal and you know, smiling all the way to the bank. You know, I have to gingerly just say, listen, I understand it's frustrating. You know, but let's just keep our eye on the on the prize here. And in reality, he's a big attorney. You know, the win here is getting these buyers to remove their contingencies and close escrow. And we are so close to being there. And I just start dumbing down the things that they're asking for. Ninety five percent of it is work that the contractor who did the work on the house can go back and fix. But it's talking them through it, letting them vent, mm -hmm. letting them get their yeah. you know emotions out, and not not. You know, just being a sounding board. I mean, listen, we are a punching yeah. bag. We are a therapist. We are what our clients need us to be to get them to the finish line. Well, what and you just said is huge. Like, I think we forget so often, like, we're just the sounding board. Like, it, like, so many of my clients, and unfortunately, I wish I could say I was wiser sooner, but, like, when they're talking and they're going, I, the younger version of me would have been like, okay, yeah, gotcha, got to go. That is the worst thing ever because, well, nothing appears to be getting accomplished when you just like shut up and just let them keep going and going and going. That's going to work themselves through it faster and better than anything. So I agree. No, I, mean, I definitely so, agree. I'm so glad you said that because it's so true. Um, I have. We all know, need early that. In my, early in my career, Jerry, um, in in real estate sales, about five years ago. You know, I would have people help me on different situations. Like I'm the first person to say, if I haven't done a deal, if I hadn't done a certain kind of deal, I will go to someone within my company and say, hey, I have this listing or I have this buyer, I've never done a probate or I've never done, you know, whatever it is. And I'll bring someone else in and share the deal because for me, it's a matter of learning. I want to, you know, I want to get my arsenal so big that I've done everything, but you know, five mm -hmm. years, I've done very well and I've done a lot of business. There's still a lot of stuff I haven't done. And mm -hmm. I remember it was maybe three years ago, I had brought someone in on a deal and we're going back and forth with the client and my client couldn't even get a word out without her talking over him. And I just remember vividly when we hung up that call, he called me because it was a conference call. He goes, I don't want to talk to her anymore. He goes, I want to talk to you 
and then you do what you need to do. And I really, you know, and it, it's true because, you know, we can't talk over our clients. We gotta let them, like you said, this is financial, it's their home, their money, and what was it? Their Family. Home? Family, right? Yeah. We can't get in the way of that. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's amazing. My patience level for my clients, somehow, some way, is just, I'm so tolerant. I don't, unfortunately, I don't have that in all aspects of my life, but when it comes to my clients, I am the most patient, understanding how do you, person. Well, how do you think that happened? Like, how did you, how did that? Has it always been that way? Pretty much, pretty much. I don't know why. I mean, I don't know. It just, I think it's, it's just an, I'll tell you just because I know you. Like, I think it's a, you're positive by nature or the version of you that I know. You're very positive and you have empathy. And you're also very results driven. And part of you knows that to get the result, that's part of, the process to get there. That's good. Would you say? Unfortunately, it has taken me a while, but I realize that too. But I look back and I see how many times I've kind of been like, yeah, we got it done, whatever. And I don't, I didn't give them what I do now. And in negotiating, especially like when, right. when we're negotiating, half of it is just get helping the client, like figure out where they really stand and what's really important to them. And then when we can get them there, then they can make the right decisions to get the right deal. Does right. That... You know, one of the things that I've learned, and I've learned the hard way. You know, listen, for me, any lesson I've learned in life, I've learned the hard way. One of <laughs> Those the... Those are usually best learned. Right. One of the biggest lessons I've learned is how do we, or how do I structure things? How do I, how do I approach a situation? For example, I'll give you an example. Like, I had a situation where I had the seller and we had an offer and I felt it was a really good offer, right? My seller wasn't willing to take it yet. And what had happened was, you know, the buyer's agent was kind of getting frustrated because she knew it was a good offer and my seller felt that it had only been on the market for a week and it was a good offer, but if it's only been on the market for a week, we're doing better. You know, we could possibly do better. That's that such was a common their... mistake of sellers, yeah. Right, and so rather, you know, the way I approached it was I called the buyer's agent. I said, listen, you gotta keep your buyer engaged. I get it and I feel that this is the right buyer. However, my seller needs to go through what they're gonna go through, right? Keep them engaged. I promise you I'll keep you posted on what's going on. And ultimately, that was able, she was able to keep her buyer engaged for another two weeks. I was able to let my seller feel the market a little longer and we ultimately put that deal together and close it. Now, I what I would have said probably five years ago, because this happened, I don't know, about six, seven, eight months ago, five years ago when I first started, I might have been like, listen, your client's offer sucks, or it's not good enough for my seller, have them rewrite, you know? And rather than approaching things that way and making them hostile, I always try and bring, you know, peace to the deal, right? I can have the most frustrated seller who's cursing the buyer and the buyer's agent and I'll call the buyer's agent and be like, listen, you know, everything's great. My seller really wants to help you. He, you know, he, he just has to go through the process. I never let w the other side know how, if there's animosity, I never let the other side feel it. Like, that's what we are there for. Bring we are there peace to, to the deal. I mean, that's like, you just said that a few sentences ago. I just was like, I want, like, I love that. My job is to bring peace to the deal. 
Like yeah. there's so many agents. I mean, agents are great. Agents are like my favorite people. It's like sometimes if I ever think about why do I do this, it's because I just love real estate agents. But we do have to remember to bring peace to the deal. That was beautifully said. So we talked, a, we hit on this a little bit before we started the interview, but I didn't ask it this way. Um, what do you think, in, especially in LA, I'm sure it's an intensely competitive industry. What, what do you think gives you your competitive edge and why do people, I mean, yeah, you came in with a Rolodex, but I know lots of people with Rolodexes that can't, don't know how to utilize them and, and make money from them. So what is it that makes you stand out, gives you competitive edge and makes you a top agent relative to, or makes you a top agent in, in, just in comparison to so many people who aren't? You know, I think that it starts, you know, I, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit. I am a big connector. You know, I will, I have people, clients who are so wealthy and they will call me and be like, hey, Mark, who's your plumber? Hey, Mark, I need a new car. Hey, Mark, you know, like I am that I guy. Right. No, seriously. I'm that guy yeah. that people know that I have relationships and I'm very yeah. selective, Jerry. I will tell you, I'm super selective on whom I refer. Because when I refer somebody, I expect them to take care of that client the way I take care of my clients. Mm -hmm. My clients, you can talk to pretty much any one of my clients and they will all tell you the same thing. I'm always available for them and I'm always, you know, I, I get the job done for them. So I think that has a lot to do with it because they trust me. You know, they trust me. Unfortunately, I think, and I'm sure it's in your market, there's a lot of people in our industry, you know, who are not trustworthy, who only care about that commission check. Let me tell you something. This is the dead honest truth. Mm -hmm. I only found out what I closed last year, over 130 million, when I had to submit that to um, the market leaders group. I don't keep track of it. I don't keep track of my income. I had wow. no idea what I made since I started, to be quite honest with you. I don't know what I make on an annual basis until I get my 1099. I don't, I mean, listen, the money obviously is huge. I have a family and all that and I have, you know, we like, we need to make money, but I don't, the money's a bonus. You know, I, I do that's this huge. because I love it. I actually yeah. have a good time doing it. Yeah, well that's clear. So, but you said two things, you said I'm available and people know they can trust me. Um, and that comes to taking your ego out of the deal too. But being available, we talked about that because some people are like, oh, like life balance, my phone turns off or my favorite is like, I only answer my phone between six and seven or I'll return your call. And of course that doesn't fly in our business. Not if you want to, not if you want to do the real stuff. If you want to play and pretend, that's fine. So tell, I mean, tell me a little bit about like some examples of in, you know, where do you, just tell me about your availability and how you pull that off. Let's just leave it at that. So my availability is pretty much, I would say for the most part, 20 hours a day, seven days a week. And How many hours, hours do you sleep too? I sleep between, I'd say four and six hours, but I'd say I sleep solid like four hours and then there might be some broken sleep in there. And That's I'm impressive. one of those guys, like if I wake up, you know, I try not to look at my phone. If I wake up in the middle of the night, I know you think 3.30 or 3.45 is the middle of the night, but like I give you an example. This morning I got up, I woke up at about 2, 2.30. I just woke up mm -hmm. and my mind just started spinning. Like I have this deal and I just couldn't go back to sleep. That's you because know? I was up and we had an interview because it was right. 5.30 exactly. for me, right? Exactly. So exactly. I get up before you, but just a few minutes. But anyway, <laughs> sorry. Right. So, um, you know, and then I just start, I just, 
you know, I'm just available. Like if I get a text message or if I get a phone call, I always answer my phone. If I'm not on the phone with someone or if I'm not with a client, I answer my phone because guess what? When I call somebody, I want them to answer the call. Yeah. You know, and if I can't answer the call and it's my cell phone, you'll get a text. Like if I see you calling, I'm like, hey, I'm in a meeting, I'll call you when I'm done. And I make sure I call you when I'm done. Yeah. Right? Follow up is so huge. Answering your phone is so huge. I'll give you an example. When I was in lending, Jerry, mm-hmm. I would have I'd have a client call me and say, Hey Mark, guess what? I'm you know, we're we're having another kid, we want to sell our house and buy another house, what can we afford? And, you know, I'd go through the numbers and be like, you know, have you spoken to Jerry about what your house is worth? They'd be like, We haven't spoken to Jerry since we sold our house we bought our house three years ago. What? What? Like we are in a relationship business. I have a question Period. for you. Because yes. how do you, I mean, doing like in lend, like in real estate, we don't do the number of transactions you do in lending. So I use contactually to keep up with who to talk to because actually literally like, like every day they give me a long list of people and I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. And I can keep in touch. But you don't have a CRM. How do you, how do you remember? Because you drive, like, he's a genius that sleeps four hours a day. You know what? We're done with you. We can learn nothing from you. (laughs) It just comes to mind. I will tell you, listen, I have between. Here's the secret to success. You need to be born with Mark Noah's DNA. I swear. Yeah, hardly that. Um, But I will say, like, you know, I know my client's birthdays, for example. My calendar is, has every client's birthday, their kid's birthdays, their wife's birthday. That's That's a great way to keep in touch, by the way. Yeah. It is the easiest, especially with Facebook, by the way. kids' birthdays, by the way. And Facebook is, Facebook will tell you every day. Right. And it's a matter of not just getting on Facebook and writing happy birthday like everyone else. I'll take the, you know, pick up your phone, send a text message. Hey, Jerry, happy birthday. Hope you have a great day. Yeah, I did that last night, actually. Last night, I hadn't logged into Facebook all day. You didn't tell me happy birthday. And it wasn't my birthday. <laughs> your bir- I have your birthday on my calendar. Don't make me look for it. Um, um, don't edit fun. that out, Isaac. Whatever you do, don't edit that out. Now I just lost my train of thought. I'm so sorry. So you're ta- we're talking about birth. So I'm talking about CRMs. Oh. Like, how do you keep up? And then you talk about birthdays, Facebook. You've got everybody's birthday in your calendar, even kids' birthdays. Right. And, you know, listen, you have kids. I have kids. When someone does something for one of our kids, it oh, goes a lot further. I don't, just my birthday is like, I don't even know when my birthday is. But if you know when my kid's birthday is, like, you got me. Yeah. Right. And it, again, it's we're in a relationship business. And for me, you know, the relationship is not superficial. It's not all about get your client to the end of the, you know, get them to the finish line, get paid, move on. You know, it's about yeah. getting them to the finish line and you know, being in a relationship with them, you know, you, you know, those clients, listen, I'll tell you the, the, when I did those first two deals, okay, I had worked with this client for 13 years in lending. I would do on average three to four, maybe five loans a year for them since mm-hmm. I was 18, right? Wow. From the yeah. age of 18 to 33, I just constantly did loans. with. I thought I knew them so well and I knew them, you know, family, friends and whatnot. And I will never forget when we were buying that house, the first house that I sold, not their condo, but the house that they were buying, yeah. do the inspections, and the three of us go to some restaurant to have lunch while the inspections are going on. And I'm sitting there, Jerry, and I'm in the middle, she's here, he's here, and they're just going at it, right? And no. that's how intimately we start to know our clients yeah. once we start some real estate, right? It's a yeah. whole different ball game. Yeah. And I don't it, like it when I'm on fight, but yeah. It wasn't necessarily. Did you diffuse it? Or, oh, okay, okay, okay. Good. It wasn't. A, it was just like you know. It was. I was waiting for good. Now I gotcha. Yeah. But 
you know, we, we know them so intimately. So why let it end after a sale? You know, stay in touch, you know, and be authentic about it. I'm authentic about it. You know, if I, I'm, if I don't like somebody, you're going to know it pretty quickly. Like I'm okay not working with people. I'm very selective. Yeah. Um, with, in, with whom I choose to work with. The reason being is sometimes you just get so dragged down and I don't want to get beat up by someone, you know, buyer or seller that's going to put me in a bad mood and take me away from 90% of from my everybody else. Yeah, right? So true. Um, you know, I just turned down a huge listing last week. It was 17 million bucks. I was like, there's no way I'm working with this person. I actually had a listing signed about four months ago and mm -hmm. all of a sudden the client was just like so overwhelming. He wanted kind of like a puppet mask, you know, he wanted right. to be a puppet master. And I gave back the listing. I was like, I, I can't do this, you know. I how did that go? What, how did that conversation go? Happy. So he sends this long email about marketing and what he expects and he wants to talk to our marketing coordinator and, you know, and, our, and um, Brad and everybody and he wants to know what PR is going to be done and just the whole nine. And I get this email and I actually put him in contact with, you know, the marketing person in our office and there's a follow-up email that he sends that's just so demanding. And she comes into my office, she goes, how do you want me to handle this? And I go, you don't have to, let me deal with it. And I picked up the phone and I just said, John, listen, I understand you have your way of wanting to sell your house and that's great and I hope it works out, but that's not the way I do business. So if you want this type of control, I get it, but I'm not your guy. And he goes, well, what do you mean? You're just gonna give up the listing? And I said, yeah, if this is how you plan on going through this transaction, I'm not your guy. And he was upset, but that's, he wasn't gonna change and I wasn't just gonna take it. That's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, yeah, so did you refer him out or did he just go find somebody else? Or not that that no, matters, but No, yeah. I mean, it's the same thing as it's who like you refer. I would refer time. someone that I would, yeah. yeah. I don't wanna work with you, I'm not referring you to someone else. There you go, I love it. Yeah. Surround yourself by people that you like, that you want to be around, that you want to work with, because that that circle just gets so big and so lucrative and just, you know. Well, and the other life. thing, it's more important what you said about it, that circle getting so big and so lucrative, but I think too, like you're being so available. When you're being available to people you like and enjoy, being available is not such a hard thing to do. Answering right. a text message at six o'clock in the morning, which isn't every day, or maybe it is, but you know, answering those text messages late at night or any time and taking calls when you've given yourself permission to say no and given yourself the world in which you know the people you work with you love, being available in your job becomes a lot more fun. It's kind of like, you know, like if a friend calls, it doesn't matter what time it is you want to engage, that's how you, it gets to be for your clients. Would that be a fair thing to say for Absolutely. you? I mean, I would yeah, say for absolutely. me, but yeah, exactly. Because not being absolutely. available is just not, that's not gonna give you a competitive edge. Um, you know, I'll tell you, the, the voicemails that you hear or that I hear, like, you know, you reach so-and-so um, for a quicker response, send a text message. Oh, I don't know about you, but go ahead. I, I no. no, 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 no. My My job is to, I accommodate to you. Your job is not to have to accommodate to me. Like that's right. not how it, that's not what I'm getting paid for. So, right. and that, yeah, I mean, yeah, I could go on. Like the voicemail needs to be short and sweet, leave a message, you got the rest. Like these, right. these long lengthy instructions on how to reach me, like by the time it even gets started, like if it were me, I'd hang up and go find somebody else. Yeah, Like that's 100%. not, 
that's not like this isn't McDonald's. And if that's the business you're running, that's great. But in like our, no, that's not how it works. Yeah, I like we're on the same page. We could do like a whole interview on that. So right. tell me, so where are we've been going? How long have we been going, Isaac? 45 minutes? 45 minutes. Okay. So here's what I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you, I think I'm going to ask you three more questions. One is in this business of being a real estate agent, what has been your biggest aha or, or you can say, what do you wish you knew then that you know now, either one or both? Hmm. I don't know that I can say there's anything that I wish that I knew then that I know now. I mean, listen, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Is that the saying? Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, 2020. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's the one. You know, it's it's the journey. You know, it's really the journey. I, I'm enjoying the journey. There's, you know, every day, every day you learn. I learn every day. I learn something new. You know, mm -hmm. there's there's just it's just enjoying the ride, really, Jerry. It's just enjoying it. You know, again, it, it goes back to what I started with. I'm having a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun doing what I do. And I think that that's super important. So what is that really, you didn't even give me an aha. Like you knew to have fun before you got in this business. But I didn't really have an aha. I mean, it, it kind of came to, listen, I feel like selling real you estate. You have mindset was, already. I think that's my aha about you is the guy, like you just got mindset. You came into it with a mindset and you maintain mindset and you rock it. But yeah, but that's not an aha. I think that's just not that's an just aha. That's my is. whole point because you don't have one, and that's why. Or do you right. have one? No, I don't think I do. I don't think I do. Not yet, at least. This is not like yet. the Gandhi of realtors, like <laughs> the enlightened one. And I, I'm being serious. I'm being funny, but really, I love that, and I think that's why because you're a mindset person, and so much of success has to do with mindset. You came into it with mindset, and you came into I'm it with a lot of experience. Focused. So I will tell you, yeah. I'm very laser focused. Like I know where I want to go. Um, I don't do what, unfortunately, every book says that a business person should do, which is write down goals and have clear set goals. Like my goals are. You don't I know wanna, where you're going, and you don't know where you're. You don't know what you made, and you don't know what you're about to make. This right, is good. So I'll give you yeah. an example. Like I had a goal of, you know, selling more than 100 million in a calendar year, and I achieved that. But the goal, how I was going to get to that goal, I had no idea. But that was my goal. You know, so like. My, yeah. I don't have it written out, like how am I gonna do it? How many deals do I have to do? How many, at what price point? Like, my goal is I constantly wanna be selling 100 million plus. You know, and the more the merrier, great, but like that's kind of my threshold. That's my bar for myself, because I know it's achievable, right? Especially in the city I live in. I mean, listen, my average sales price last year was over five million. I'm very fortunate for yeah. that. Um, so it's a very achievable goal. And it's funny, when 2018 started and I was talking to my business coach, she goes, well, what do you want to do? And initially I said, I want to do 150 million, right? I wanted to do that much more business. And she said to me, she goes, wow, okay, how are you going to get there? I'm like, I don't know. Um, and then, you know, we dialed it back and we spoke it through. And the reality is, if I can just set it at that 100 million and have different goals, like my goals now are like, I want to work with better clients in the sense of, not should say better clients, that was a terrible way to say it, but you know, higher net worth, higher affluent. I want to make more relationships with business managers. I want to tailor my business to that type versus I want to do more volume. 100 million a year, in my opinion, is a great living. It's mm -hmm. not, you know, especially my price point, it's not where you're a slave doing 20 deals a month because, you know, I know how that can be. I mean, if I have 10 escrows at one time, yeah. it just, Thing. You know, I'm I'm probably two to three deals a month on average, which is a lot. Um, mm -hmm. 
but it also allows me to keep my sanity. You know, exactly. I, I feel like I'm just at the point where I have the perfect amount of business to maintain my team, my livelihood, and my sanity, mm -hmm. right? Anything more, I think I'd either have to start adding people, which I really don't want to add any more people. I don't like managing. <laughs> I love them, but I don't like managing. I like I being love out people. there. Yeah, I know what you mean though, yeah. You know, I want to be out there with my clients, with my colleagues, with other realtors. I love realtors. I, I like love you, Jerry. realtors, I do. I love realtors. You know, what people don't realize, I think, this is one thing that I tell a lot of newer agents. Yeah. We're in business with other realtors equally, if not more, than we are with our clients. Because if they don't like you, and if you have an issue with another agent in town, for whatever reason, you're at a disadvantage for your client. And I can Huge. give you two examples yeah. this year, in March, where there were multiple offers. I had buyers on both. They both went way over asking, but because both agents liked me, I had a relationship with them, I was always pleasant to them, I got both deals for my buyers. They won specifically because those agents liked me. It's true, so, it's so, so true, it's huge. And when it comes to the ego thing, Jerry, which is super important, yeah. I don't let my ego get in the way of other agents. Listen, there are agents in this city, I mean, listen, watch some of the reality TV and you can see how some of these people are, right? Right. That is really how they are. And which is great, listen, it works. I'm, the, the beautiful thing about real estate is you can do it your way, I can, there's no right or wrong way. The right way for me is, I never bring my ego into that either. I will let a realtor go to town on me and just vent and whatever, like, I get it, I get it. That's, talk about wise, talk about like great advice. That's huge. But then what um, I will do is I'll hang up, pick up the phone and call someone like you, be like, this mother, you, you know, like, and just vent it out. But I, I will never vent it out to the client or the realtor because, listen, we all need that yeah. outlet. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, we all need that outlet. But that's, so I love what you said because clients are also very valuable. But so, kind of to what you said, Latif Hasten said this. She's like, you know what? Clients will come and go, or hopefully they won't. But, but the brokers are always there. Like, the right. deals come and go, but the brokers, the ones you're really going to work with and do the deals with over and over, they stay. Most of them, the most of them that are in, I mean, yes, what is it? 95% don't make it in two years, but once they make, once we make it, we make it and we're here to stay. Right. And you've got to have, you've got to have, because for me, I've got it when I'm doing the deal, I've got to be able to trust the, I've got, I, I, it's like, which agent am I going to trust? Which agent do I want to work with? Which agent can control their clients? Which agent is going to br bring this through? I mean, all, which agent's going to help me with my client? All that, I mean, exactly what you're saying. So. I, that was one question. Question number two. I love this. We should have done like three interviews. So next question is, what is, if there's one thing that- The next interview, I'll come to Atlanta. We could do face to face. Will you come to Atlanta? Come to yes, Atlanta. the next interview we'll do- I mean, we'll I don't do know. Maybe I should come to LA. Cause it lays like a little, a little glamorous. Atlanta's great. I love Atlanta. Atlanta's a great place to live. Actually, you would die if you saw the homes here and relative to your market. The market here is amazing what you get for your money. It's like over five million and like the last six months, one house has sold in Atlanta. One for over five million. Who sold it? And your average sales price, Sotheby's sold it. Your average sales price, your average sales price is five million. Just right. to like get into, like that's how much you get for your money. Just to put it in perspective. Right. So anyway, Back to back to our um, 
Back to our conversation. Or back to our questions. Question number two. What is the one thing that you would hope or that you will have would have us get out of this interview, if anything? What's the one message about being a rock star realtor? Ego. Don't let your ego keep your ego out of a deal in every way. In every way. Remember that we are here for our clients and it's not you got you gotta put yourself last. No, you shouldn't even put yourself in at all, to be quite honest with you. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, get stepped on and be an order taker. I mean, you definitely, you know, we listen, we definitely have to give advice to clients. That's what they're paying us to do. Yeah. And, you know, what's right, what's wrong, what our professional opinion is. But don't get don't let our egos get in the way because once our egos get in the way, I have seen deals fall apart because of an agent saying, Oh, my client won't do that. Oh, how dare you? You know, like Oh, I've had that. And you're like, pick up the phone. Really? Your client, you know, and then you have, listen, you then think you have they to coach won't do that, that agent. Yeah. But then you have to coach that agent without coming across as condescending. Right. And how do you do that? Um, I know so how to, I've learned how to do that because of exactly what you're saying. Um, right. Which comes to the next question. My favorite book. Well, I've got two favorite books, actually. I forgot about one. Never Split the Difference and Code of Extraordinary Mind. Like, I'll love those books. But this isn't, I'm not being interviewed. I'm just having never, fun. Never, never Split the Difference. That's the FBI guy. That's the FBI negotiate. guy. Yeah, I have yeah. that book. I haven't read it. Using that it. book, whether it's realtors, clients, my children, I mean, life-changing. Um, and Code of Extraordinary Mind is also great, great book. Those two are life-changing books for me. What is yours? What is the one book you would recommend above all others? I mean, Never Eat Alone. That great so, orange company. I love I it because I thought you'd come up with a new one, but I'm glad that just drives, that just reels That's it in. That's my go-to. So That's what? That's my go-to. Um, that and Relentless. I, those are my two go-to books. Wait, what's the other one? Relentless, the one I'll send you later. I can't wait. So Relentless. Relentless and Never Eat Alone. What is, so we're going to talk about both of them. What is the big, this is actually supposed to be question number two, but that's okay. Isaac's over there going, Jerry, get it together. What is the big message from Never Eat Alone? What is the one big message you got from that? To be an authentic connector, to help people without ha without scorekeeping, right? If yeah. you know someone who needs without something, you know someone, right, you help them and don't think about what's in it for me. You know, yeah. the Things, things tend to work out, like the world provides, you know, things happen when you do things with a good conscious and a clean conscious, you know? It's not about scorekeeping, oh, I did this for you, remember when I did this for you? Like, that doesn't mm -hmm. work, I mean, you know. No, it doesn't. Early in my marriage, that used to be like, oh, remember I did this, remember? like, that doesn't work, that's not gonna be, you know, that's not a recipe for yeah. a good marriage. <laughs> no. Okay, right? Relentless, what's the big message from that one? I mean, you do what you eh. the biggest message is like you know you do what you have to do to be the best like whatever it takes to be the best is what you have to do if that means getting up early if that means making 500 calls a day if that means whatever that means for you in your business in your marketplace you do and there's no excuses there's no excuses and like, that, oh, comes, that comes that comes back to mindset it's all mindset. I mean, listen, I'm yeah. a big sports guy, Jerry. I love sports, you know, and, you know, I watch tennis. Ten, it, 
Roger Federer. He is my ultimate favorite athlete, and I love all sports. But Federer is my favorite. Roger Federer. Make sure we all. tag him, Isaac. Okay. Um, and I will tell you that you watch him, and he's so mentally tough. It's yeah. mental mental toughness is so. Listen, in real estate, how easy is it to get your heart broken? Right? You think you have oh, a deal, yeah. you close a deal, and then you think you have a client, and then they go away. I mean. It can knock you down. I've seen in just five years, I have seen so many people think it's so easy to get into the business. Oh, I'm gonna sell real estate, right? And yeah. it's so glamorous and you guys make so much money and blah, blah, blah. And I've seen within the first six months, 12 months for sure, I'm done with this. I don't know how you do what you do. Yeah. You know, you have to have that mental toughness. Like, listen, I get beat up, right? I'll have days where I'm like, God, you know, and just, yeah. Yesterday, I had, by the way, true story, yesterday I was having that day. Yesterday I was just getting beat up from the Second I started, it was just one thing after the next after the next. And to reset, I went to Barry's boot camp class at 12.30 in the afternoon, which I never do. And I took an hour and I just sweated out and just reset, right? Oh my God, so I did that. What day was it? It was Tuesday. I had one of those and I like, I went to Orange Theory. I was like, nah, I like, uh, nah. I just went and I just like exactly the same. Right. I already worked out that morning. But no, because it's all about you got to get this right or everything else is going to be wrong anyway. Has to, has to, has to. And, you know, we, we're, in a, we're in a trying business, you know. Yeah. People will, if you don't have thick skin, you're in the wrong business. Well, and here's the thing. I always say to people, like, if there weren't problems, if this business were easy, we wouldn't be needed. Zillow, Zillow would have replaced us a long time ago. Like, right. If we're going to get right. paid and we're going to be successful, it's because there are going to be problems and we're going to bring value to resolve them and use that and control our own state of mind. So, so I, I will share this with you. Yeah. I, I, in my five, in my five short five years so far, I have had clients, like I'll give you an example. I had sold places to developers where you would assume you're going to get the listing on the back end. Mm -hmm. And it happened to me three or four times where I sold it, them a property, they built it and gave the listing to another person. Mm -hmm. And one developer in specific who I gave him, truth is gold, I should have bought it myself, but you know, I was young and I, my, uh, one of the things that, you know, you were asking me earlier about what I, you know, could or, you know, would want to do or the aha or whatever is, next time there's a deal like that, right, next time there's a deal like that, you know, buy it myself. But anyways, right. um, and I remember I was so upset at this guy with that first one that he gave it to someone, that he gave listening to someone else. and. You know, a lot of things went through my mind of what I wanted to tell him about how I felt about him and you know, you can just imagine the things that I wanted to say. And I was like, listen, I wish you the best of luck. And that person sold the house. And mm -hmm. I had sold him another house and he gave it to that guy. And what happened was that guy didn't sell it. It didn't sell, it sat for nine and a half months because that guy's sweet spot was probably one to four million. This other mm -hmm. house happened to be an $8 million house. So after nine months, I get it and I sell it. And then he builds another house for 10 million and I get it and I sell it. And then he builds another house for 11 and a half million and I sell it. And I just got another one for 10 million and I'm sure I'll sell it. And had I told that guy how I felt after that first deal, these other it deals would have don't been all so true. So again, it goes back to like, you know what, Ego. it's not about me. And it's not yeah. about me. He did yeah. what he felt he had to do for his business. And the truth revealed itself. Yep. I love it. That's awesome. All right, and normally this is when I'd say, what's the one thing, but we already got the one thing. Right. But this is awesome. Thank you. Anything else you should we should add or we should ask or you want to share with us before we go? 
Thank you for having me on. Thank it's you. It's great to see you. It's great to see you and hopefully in person soon. Yes.